Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. Our goal as a company is to be the best memberships product for creators. And our hypothesis about how we can get there is by really kind of like coupling content around community. In order for us to do this really well, um, the community almost has to feel like it's part of the content. Like it helps kind of like elevate the content. For growth, you need to sort of think holistically in patrons world, both from creators and potential members' side, and truly understand what is perhaps preventing for some creators from getting started. So how do you sort of think about that holistically and then start building solutions that will empower them? Hello and welcome to the Engineering Leadership Podcast, brought to you by ELC, the engineering leadership community. I'm Jerry Lee, founder of ELC. And I'm Patrick Gallagher, and we're your hosts. Our show shares the most critical perspectives, habits, and examples of great software engineering leaders to help evolve leadership in the tech industry. In this episode, we discuss the dynamics between growth and mobile engineering with Atish Das Sarma and Shannon Ma. Atish is the head of growth engineering at Patreon, and Shannon is director of engineering for mobile at Patreon. We're also joined by our special guest co-host, John Wang, director of engineering at Pedal and longtime ELC community member, In our conversation, we bounce between the worlds of growth and mobile, covering topics like what it's like transitioning into an already established company with room for impact, the role and intersection between growth and mobile in Patreon's recent strategic transformation. We also cover some of the guardrails to balance both the demands of short-term and long-term growth. And this conversation really helps get you in the mentality of two different but connected engineering orgs. Enjoy our conversation with Atish Das Sarma, and Shannon Ma. To begin, I just wanted to say welcome, everybody, for joining in. John, I want to give you a quick shout-out. Thanks for joining us as a, a co-host for this episode. Yeah, really happy to be here, Patrick. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. Yeah, appreciate you. I've, I've known John for about two years now. Him and I are in a peer group together, and we've tackled a, a ton of different challenges together. So excited to bring some of your experience and perspective here to this conversation with Shannon and Atish here joining us from Patreon. Uh, how are you both doing? What's going on? Doing great. We are talking about earlier, uh, just had lunch, and um, yeah, just looking forward to the, uh, to the conversation today. Hey, yeah, super excited to be here, and uh, especially to do this with Shannon, and we partner fairly closely at Patreon, so excited to have this side project with him as well. Heck yes, that's awesome. So the first question I want to ask both of you to, to sort of bring us into the spirit of this conversation, I recently saw a YouTube video from Patreon CEO, Jack Conti, and the sentiment of it was what Jack thinks is happening in the creative economy and why Patreon raising $155 million is another sign that the future is going to be really exciting for creative people. I saw that as somebody who part of my identity is a creator. I got really excited about this video, especially for the vision it had for the creator economy and how it's evolving, and how Patreon is aiming to serve creators. And I bring this up because from everything I could gather preparing for this conversation is this seemed to sort of necessitate a pretty significant strategic transformation at Patreon, which I imagine also aligns with a little bit about why and how both of you got involved with Patreon in the first place. I was wondering if you both could tell us just a little bit about what is this transformation going on at Patreon? And what are you both most excited about? And what brought you into the organization? 
you covered it well. I think the creator economy is evolving really rapidly. Uh, Patreon has a unique space in this world where creators deeply believe that Patreon is has their best interests at heart. At the same time, with the, the big addressable market here, the company recognizes that product innovation and product-oriented thinking is going to be a key part of our future. And, and with that, Patreon is making significant investments in product, engineering, design, to overall elevate the team and execute really rapidly to help us help creators grow and build their businesses. And what me, brought me to Patreon is really a combination of the people, the direction, and the opportunity. Having had a chance to meet Jack and various other folks on the uh, leadership team, I felt like it's a group of really smart folks, extremely focused on their mission, at the same time really driving a, a core culture of empowering the team to make directions, debate, discuss, to uh, figure out how best to serve our mission of helping creators. Uh, and then on the direction, I do think that the creator economy will continue to evolve substantially over the next five years. So just wanted to be part of that journey. Uh, sitting at Patreon, I get a chance to sort of learn and grow with it as well as influence it from within. So that was really great. And, I, and specifically, I think there's so much work to do that the specific opportunity was very exciting to me. Yeah, and just to add on to what Atish mentioned, like the transformation that we're seeing at Patreon is, you know, the company is shifting from, let's say, like a payments company to a company that's focused on memberships with your favorite creator. And Patrick, I think one of the things that you asked in your question was like, hey, like, what are are we most excited about? For me, I mean, I got into tech because I realized, you know, I mean, there was three things I realized. One is that, hey, I could build cool products. Two is I could have fun uh, doing it. And three was... I could make a living at it. Um, in terms of this, you know, the shift that Patreon is going through, and what makes me kind of most excited is doing the same, you know, for creators uh, in in their industry. I think one of your, your your other questions as well was just like, hey, like how does mobile fit in the picture? And so, yeah, the way that mobile fits in the picture is if you use Patreon today, it behaves somewhat like a like an email newsletter. But you know, when folks are buying memberships with their favorite creator, what they're really buying is they're buying engagement with that favorite creator. I think we all know kind of like from, you know, our like prior, you know, experience, email is probably not the best platter to serve engagement on. That's why Patreon is going really big on mobile. And, you know, that's a big part of like why I'm here. And so, you know, for mobile, uh, our focus is going to be to, yeah, make kind of like mobile the place where, you know, creators can really showcase their content and, uh, and make it shine. And how does growth fit into this this big vision? So, so again, our core mission is to help creators continue to grow and expand their businesses. And, and we want to do this in a way that we really take creators along on our journey, build products, help build streamlined and sim- simple experiences that really drive member acquisition, member retention, such that you're bringing the maximum value that you can to creators. The thinking behind growth is that even as you sort of build product, there's a benefit to having a holistic view across our product surfaces and thinking from a very growth-oriented lens as to what are the big blockers, where are the big challenges, what are the hurdles that prevent members from truly recognizing the value that creators are offering. And once they do recognize the value, how do you lower the barrier to entry such that somebody can subscribe to the creator? And once they subscribe, how do you drive a really strong engagement between members and creators such that they retain longer? And similarly, on the creator side, how do you help them understand that they should be continuously talking to their to their fans outside of Patreon, potentially have a full growth loop. So generally, growth is really trying to partner closely with creators, 
experiment, learn, build products and build experiences that really drive growth, reduce friction and overall help grow the business. And, and that's where really growth becomes crucial, where you're doing it in, with the core mission in mind, but having a very data-driven, focused, measurement-oriented approach that is able to, that, that's sort of your anchor for actually measuring outcomes. The thing that's really interesting about the story is like Patreon as a company, like what you're talking about, Shannon, like was start off and was kind of in like the mobile payment space for a while. And then like the decision now to serve more of like the membership side of things is, is a pretty big shift in terms of maybe not like the overarching mission of the organization, but like the how the organization accomplishes its mission. But I think what's interesting is like both of you, like in terms of the long scale history of, of Patreon have come in at a relatively like later time sk- stage of the company. What was that like to come into you know a company that's been around for a while and kind of on the heels of like this new established strategy what was important of that that early experience? Yeah, so I think it, uh, in some sense, yes, you're right that we came in late in sort of Patreon's journey, but I actually hope that we've come in really early because I think there's a long, big, ambitious future ahead. So I do think this is still very early in Patreon's long-term journey. To specifically answer your question, I think there was already a lot of momentum behind a, behind a bunch of new folks coming in. And then I don't know if it's as much of a challenge again, but but... It is really crucial to understand Patreon's perspective, understand each individual's perspective, and take that deeply into your work. Uh, Jack, for example, our CEO, brings a really creator-first perspective, being a creator himself. Then uh, we have various other folks on the leadership team. Each person has a very unique experience and then a very different perspective. And then, for example, for growth, my job is to make sure that I understand all these diverse perspectives and then fold that into our thinking. To give you some concrete examples, I think Jack really understands well what kinds of changes or initiatives need creator feedback versus which are the ones that they'll really strongly resonate with in the journey of growth and running up perhaps experiments to help them grow their business. What are the sensitivities that one needs to account for and what are the best processes to getting there i think in any company when you join at this stage uh, well even like any company that you join there is a time that that it takes to sort of get your uh, footing you need to sort of understand the company you need to start defining your frameworks hopefully start having some wins build a sense of trust and relationship for the team and that's never easy it's never easy it's always challenging and it but at the same time to shannon's point i think like Building a new team, building a new initiative is always requires a certain kind of person, but I've always enjoyed that. I much, much prefer building teams from the early stages rather than inheriting really large teams. And uh, it's been great. It's been challenging, but I, I don't, I think that sort of self-inflicted sort of challenge being ambitious and trying to drive impact quickly. Yeah. And I think if you like, if you look at, you know, the size of Patreon today, when Atish and I joined, we were under... Uh, 100 engineers today. If I had a guess, I want to say like, if I had a guess, I would say we're probably like around 120. So relatively speaking, it's still like a pretty early stage company, I would say, you know, a smaller company. And if you think about it, like, I mean, Patreon is, Patreon just turned nine years old. I think it was like a month or two ago. And so, you know, Patrick, like, like you mentioned, like the company, you know, has been uh, around for like nine years. But I think when you kind of like look at the size of the company and you look at the shift we're going through, um, in a lot of ways, you know, it is just like that, like startup mentality, right? With like um, what our jobs are. It's like, hey, you know, building a growth team from scratch, building like a, a mobile team from scratch. You know, this kind of like startup setup, startup mentality, especially around like being able to move quickly, um, while also having the resources to like execute well, right? And that includes 
input for, from someone like Jack, who like is a creator himself. Um, but in addition to kind of like the resources to like hire the best people that we can uh, on the teams. For me, it's been just like a, a nice balance, you know, of a well-resourced company, but also kind of like some of the, um, the exciting benefits that you get from an early stage company. Atish, you mentioned like defining the frameworks, and I, you mentioned that in that it is easy for people to do that. So I'm imagining like you've got a really good defined framework for how you approach growth. How did you go about defining the framework for the early growth organization? Like, what what was that like, and what's your approach there? Just tell us the secrets, man. <laughs> to be honest, I, I don't know if there's like one uh, clean framework that you apply from company to company. I think the way I view it is understanding the goals and the outcomes we're trying to drive towards, uh, building out the guardrails or the approaches that you you are open to taking along the way to drive towards those outcomes, then taking a very iterative mentality of what are the things that we can do today, how do you sort of measure the impact along the way, and really balancing it through a portfolio approach of some longer-term strategic bets, some things that are very concrete, obvious things to invest in, uh, but really along the way have a strong rigor around measurement, strong approach for being extremely introspective is you do things that you end up having much more impact than you anticipate, and then you'll also do things that don't have the impact that you anticipate. And it's really crucial to take your learnings, feed them back into your future investment. So that's sort of more on the work front and along the way, building out a really strong cross-functional partnership. On the people front, I think it's really bringing the right kinds of people who in this context gravitate towards these early stages where each individual can have a massive footprint on the company's future uh, at the same time is really eager to roll up their sleeves understand that there's still a lot of ambiguity but really hustle to make things happen and three approach things from a very high velocity but at the same time long-term mentality and that's a tricky balance where you're trying to really do what's best for the company for the longer term but you do want to maintain a really high velocity of shipping things, measuring impact and going from there. So really building the team with that kind of growth muscle in mind is important. I, I like the last piece I'll say is that like I'm coming from Apple, which is a completely different company of a different scale. And uh, there are certain aspects that are common across these companies, like how you view growth, how you think about data and measurement. At the same time, for each of these cases, it's really important to understand where the company is in its journey. Is it already doing really well and we're trying to have material impact to accelerate the business? What are the areas where it's potentially struggling? What are the big gaps? And using that lens. So it takes some time to sort of understand the company ecosystem and weave that into your frameworks of thinking. I have so many follow-up questions. I, I knew you were going to have a really great framework for that. I was like, you, you just like wrote a masterclass in three minutes or less. <laughs> um, before I jump in, John, this is your this is your territory. You are deep in building out this organization. What what follow-up questions do you have here about the the growth organization in that framework? Yeah, I, I definitely really appreciate what Atish and Shannon shared so far, um, especially what I think Shannon said earlier about sustainable growth and the balance between short-term versus medium-term. And I think you said something about having the right guardrails in place and having some of the, the cross-functional partnerships. Are there any, because I, I'd like to really like learn and maybe even copy some examples, what are some like examples of guardrails or important agreements or ways of working that you've established with partners and people on your teams to really try to balance between short-term and long-term growth? Because often in a startup, at least what I've seen is you're from quarter to quarter, sometimes you're trying to hit a lot of these growth goals. Um, and the easiest way to do it is many times just to 
continue to iterate on what is known um, and the, the balance between that and putting the right research and development and technical work in place to do more of a moonshot. Yeah, good, good question. I, like, I, I don't know if there's a silver bullet here necessarily, but I, I do think that it's important to have a prioritization framework across these say, longer term speculative bets that potentially have a shot of like five years later, we look back as the big game changer for the company laying those out and then being rigorous about even though they're long term moonshots, how would we sort of evaluate, de-risk them, learn from feedback from our creators, but also in the shorter term. And I meant like shorter term also, it's having a longer term perspective along your short term bet. So essentially you have these low hanging fruit, you're making, there's a bunch of things you can do and you're trying to drive impact. You should be really careful about measuring the, long-term impact of your short-term bets, which is that you make this change, it perhaps drive member acquisition. Oftentimes what will happen is that it's perhaps a novelty bias that diminishes over time and you don't necessarily inflect long-term financial trajectory by making short-term changes. So it's really crucial to sort of, in your measurement framework for short-term investments, still anchor it along sort of, are you truly driving member acquisition? Are you changing the member retention in a way that's still not inducing increased churn over a period of time. So having the sort of right methodology around that. But to your first question, I would say that it's having a balance that provides the team or the teams enough room to have some of these longer term bets, but bring a lot of holistic thinking along them uh, across product, data, design, engineering, so that we've come up with a holistic perspective and maximize our chances of winning at those speculative bets and being iterative along the way. And then among the shorter term ones, I think laying out the right growth principles of how you measure impact, uh, what are the key metrics that you're trying to drive, how would we bring creators along on our journey. And, and this is like, I'm talking in sort of Patreon terms, but this is not unique to Patreon, even that there's various examples where we, we wanted to run some tests and some cross-functional partners don't necessarily agree with it and then over time as you start building wins and accumulate a lot of trust often they'd sort of come back to my teams and say why aren't we doing that and i'd say no because uh, you didn't want to do that three months back and so just building a trust of right rigor and measurement is really crucial yeah that's great thank you so much that makes a lot of sense and i I also wanted to ask if you can point out any interesting habits or maybe even rituals at Patreon that are in place that help you create this interaction with the team that allow conversation around um, and focus on, you know, long-term bets or maybe like short-term strategy even? I mean, like one of my big leadership principles is to support a strong culture of debate, discussion, disagreement, and, and really foster a safe place where people can strongly disagree, debate, and let decisions come out of it. And sure, you need the right decision-making forums, decision-making owners, and so on. But within the team, as long as you have a very strong, transparent culture where even small changes, small ideas, you allow cross-functional partners, engineers, irrespective of how junior or senior they are, how new or how how long the tenure at the company has been, that really brings a diverse set of perspectives. And, And every single time, I think the 
more debate you have, the better decisions that come out of it. And so in terms of like the processes, I think obviously having the right meetings, but even on Slack channels, I see it all the time that somebody posts a very small, simple idea. And within half a day, there are 50 different responses, taking it in all different directions, debating various different versions of it. And and those are the things that make me most proud about the culture we're setting on the team. Atish, you mentioned reasoning long-term bets, which brings to the next question. And, and Shannon, I wanted to get your your take here. I, I think globally, like I'm curious about how both you individually within your functions make decisions on like what feature or bet to make, like what makes it a go or a no-go. And what would love to learn like how you prioritize or determine like this next step within your organizations, like especially in like the world where optimizing for different parts of the organization could have like competing priorities or competing incentives. Um, so Shannon, would love to, to bring you in there. Like talk to us about your decision-making process. I thought what Atish said around just like, hey, it's really important to anchor on like what is the long-term problem that you're trying to solve. I think that applies like across the company, regardless of kind of like what your focus like area is, right? I mean, I would say for mobile, right? Like we have a couple of like, long-term kind of like problems that we that we have to solve one is around members with members we want you know the uh, the mobile app to kind of be we want it superpower to be the place that you can consume content from your 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 favorite creator and engage with it you know creators feel like their content is almost kind of like on like a pedestal it's almost like walking into like a boutique store as opposed to kind of walking into like say like old navy where the jeans are like all over the place nothing against old navy but if, if you think of like creators as artists, that's really how they want their, their content to be showcased, right? So I think like for this use case, it's having a good idea of like, okay, like where you want to go like long-term here and then having kind of like a good starting point, I would say in the case of the mobile app, mobile hasn't historically been a focus at Patreon. Um, the apps existed for, I want to say like four or five years, but it was only an app with a couple of engineers working on it. Um, and so there were a lot of like gaps in it. A lot of members didn't even know we, we had a, a mobile presence. It boils down to like priorities. And so the first priority is just shoring up, you know, kind of the, the things that, that, that members would expect out of the app, right? Um, I think what members expect out of the app is they expect to be able to unlock the full value of say, their membership, which is primarily around like content and engagement with that creator. And then kind of like from there, like helping the app kind of like find like a place in folks' lives. And what I mean by this is like creating that like habit, right? Where I think any product that has like strong market fit, I mean, has a habit associated with it. Whether that product is like Netflix, you know, or or whatnot. The, the long-term thing for for mobile is, yeah, is, is, is having a strong opinion around kind of like, hey, um, what are the habits that make sense kind of like in people's lives, right, uh, for the better and, and, and anchoring on that and building towards it. Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. So I want to talk a little bit about the intersection between you both. So far, like you've helped us understand the, the overarching vision for Patreon and a little bit about how growth and mobile are sort of predominant priorities in, in helping achieve this vision right now. And so 
what is the relationship like between the work that you both are doing? And what is that like interaction like when you're you're navigating different priorities, trade offs, features and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the, the area that Atish and I are focused the most on these days is towards the end of the year, right? So I think one of the things to point out is it's actually a really great problem that we have that most of our members don't know that we have a mobile app. I think it's a really great problem for us to have because there's a very strong distribution channel there. You know, the main area that Atish and I work on together is just like, hey, kind of like fixing the, the kinks in the funnel so that towards the end of the year, um, we can really drive adoption on mobile and make members happy. Um, Atish, uh, did you want to add, add anything onto that? No, I think that, that that's a great one, right? And, and in general, I'd say Shannon and I and our teams anyway I sort of collaborate and discuss and share ideas across the board. So I can give you another sort of different take rather than on a project basis, but kind of a theme where on the growth team, for example, you're sort of constantly trying to drive say engagement of new members with creators that they just signed up for. So I said, you kind of maximize the value exchange members truly understand the value and then retain better longer. And member retention is a key metric that the growth team is optimizing for. But then on the mobile side and in Shannon's world, there's a longer term strategic theme to generally elevate sort of the discussion, content, community interaction on the platforms as that creators and members are really thriving over a period of time, are downloading the app and interacting. And so there's sort of shared synergies that cut across various teams of sort of bringing creators together with their closest fans, driving engagement, and, and there are different flavors of it, different specific goals, but generally, as Shannon mentioned, it's a really small company, small number of people that we kind of share thinking across the board. And then obviously we also collaborate on other non-technical themes about how should we build teams, what are the kinds of people you want to hire and various things related to engineering culture. How do you both navigate some of the trade-offs or differences in priorities? Or does that happen? Like, I guess, it is, is because there's such a, a strong sort of anchor North Star for where the organization is going, that conflict, like that healthy sort of organizational discourse happens less frequently? Like, tell me a little bit about that. I mean, I would say actually it happens a lot for the very good reason that Patreon has very big ambitions. There's so much we want to accomplish and only so many things we can do. So there's always going to be more things to do than than we can. And I'd say the gap may actually keep widening. So we we'll <laughs> always have to be ruthless about our prioritization exercise. The really good thing about being in companies of this stage is that uh, regardless of sort of specific opinions of what we think will be more important in the short term versus not, everyone is aligned on our vision and our mission and what we're trying to accomplish longer term. So thereafter, any prioritization discussion, whether between our teams or across the company, is around trying to cleanly lay out what kind of impact something may have, what is our confidence level associated with it, uh, how many resources would it take, there, is there a natural sequencing that this feature needs to come before that, or that these two need to go go out together. And, and for the most part, it's really a healthy discussion. And then typically, we kind of figure out what are the most important things we want to accomplish in this half and what are the various ways to get that done. One of the other things that helps also is you know, as a company, we have a value around just being like creator first, right? And so kind of like using that value in some of our discussions where there might be hard trade-offs, I think is uh, is really helpful in just making the decision a bit more clear. And then, yeah, also just to add on to what Atish mentioned is the company is, you know, still, in my opinion, like relatively small. And so 
there's a group of us on the um, the leadership team that like, hey, when we have to make these trade-offs, it's just really easy for us to come together, get in a room, discuss, and like make a decision. As a, a product leadership team, that's that's one of the areas that we like really spike on is is when this team gets together. You know, um, there's nothing that you know this team can't solve. So the size of the company, you know, especially is is helpful with that. John, I, I saw like a, a deep empathetic head nod between both Atish and Shannon when uh, Atish was mentioning about like being in a resource constrained environment and having kind of an ever infinitely growing list of opportunities you could pursue. I saw a little bit of a head nod there from you. Yeah, I think that's very much the the truth with a lot of companies at that at that stage. So I really appreciated what what both of you had to share there. Well, I guess what's the framework there for those conversations? Like, how, and how are you tracking that ever widening gap of opportunities? I think there's always this uh, tension between how can we move quickly and and like how do you build things really well uh, and then what is our north star and what are our focus areas and I think as a company and as a leadership team we always want to bias towards doing fewer things and doing them extremely well uh, rather than spreading ourselves thin that does not mean again to sort of the earlier question that we don't have room for some speculative longer-term bets, but it's crucial that we are always trying to do fewer things, trying to do them really well, learn from our mistakes, fail fast when relevant, or double down when relevant. And I think that's probably the most important framework there. The second, that that's sort of a natural byproduct of a really strong culture and a small team is that you want to be flexible, you want to be nimble. So with decisions that you make, you want to be able to we reallocate resources as needed at a fairly frequent cadence in a way that everybody is really is really happy about those changes. So I think that that's the other dimension that's really crucial. And then third that I think goes without saying is that in these discussions, like when Shannon mentioned, when the leadership team, when we get together, it's important that everyone brings their perspective because they do have a slightly different worldview and you factor all of that in, into these prioritization discussions. Are you both allowed to talk about like some of the long-term bets at play at, at Patreon? Like, is that is that something we can get into? Like, the when you first joined, like, were the the big investments that you all wanted to make early, and how you determined that those were the first investments to make for the long term? I think we could probably chat about some of those things. Yeah, I'd I'd love to learn like the decision making process around the early bets that you made, and like what what gave the go for those, because um, I know that they're they're in flight right now. Um, so can we talk a little bit about that? Patreon is going to be shipping a native video soon. Some of the creators, you know, are already kind of in our beta, in our beta program and using it. But you know, I think the question with um, with native video is like, hey, like, why does Patreon need native video, right? Because the videos on Patreon today are, you know, they're third party, right? So they're like YouTube or like Vimeo embeds. So you know, for something like video, it is a very strategic project, right? A long term win for Patreon. I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that, right? But um, I think one of the biggest reasons is our goal as a company is to be the best memberships product for creators. And our hypothesis about how we can get there is by really kind of like coupling content around community. An example of this is like, hey, in order for us to do that, both content, right? Content and community on the platform today, content is a YouTube embed, community is a Discord integration. In order for us to do this really well, um, the community almost has to feel like it's part of the content, like it helps kind of like elevate the content, right? And so in order to do that, um, you need, um, in this case, videos to be this, this first class, you know, primitive on the platform. And so this is a good example of like, hey, something that we're working on today that we're going to be shipping uh, pretty soon. And, you know, something like this is like, hey, like, 
you know, the company is very, um, I would say, uh, patient just in terms of like, hey, the expectation for this like at launch, right? The expectation for this at launch, like, isn't that we're going to see like membership skyrocket because that would just be unrealistic, right? Because this is like a longer term win. Um, but at the same time, it's like, hey, as part of launch, we want to do, you know, some things to help creators grow their memberships as part of launching that feature. And so, yeah, there, there'll be some things that we'll be sharing kind of like around this in, you know, um, the months ahead that I think will kind of make this like a bit more clear. But um, yeah, that's kind of like the general idea of, of how we approach some of these things. John, what are what are your thoughts around that process? Because to me, like thinking about like the thought process there, does that kind of parallel some of the, the work that you've been doing or like some of the, I guess, like similarities in your approach? Yeah, I I really empathize with what Shannon said about expectations after a major product launch, especially since, you know, um, companies like Patreon are, it, it's a startup, right? Like, and all these new products that you're launching are, are new for your segment of the market, for your consumers. Um, so having the organizational understanding that what we're launching is an MVP and that we're going to iterate on it really gives everybody who's working on that project the brain space, I think, and the frame of reference to think about um, the product launch and the thing that they're working on in a much more intentional and even sometimes creative manner. So, so I feel like with artificial constraints that sometimes are placed around product launches here or there, you create a different kind of product than you do as if you were to give a little bit more leeway to the team that's putting something into production for the first time. Yeah, so Atish, from your perspective, so this being, I guess, like Shimmy said, like a long-term anchor, how does this sort of filter into the world of growth? So first of all, I think a bunch of these products like video are things that we do fundamentally believe will drive growth as well. In terms of long-term anchor, I think for growth, you need to sort of think holistically in patrons' world, both from creators and potential members' side, and truly understand what is perhaps preventing some creators from getting started. Is it really intimidating to start a membership product? Do they feel like they don't quite have product market fit? Do they feel like they're not exactly able to start or grow their business? And once you start asking the right questions and starting to think about them cleanly, talk to creators, get their feedback, do any data analysis, you start coming up with what are the potential hypotheses or solutions that can help this, sort of de-risk it, help remove the fear around starting a membership business. And so generally from a growth perspective, I'd say there's always lots of tactical things to do that are all still meaningful, elevating the value for both creators and members. But there are also fundamental questions that you want to ask as to where people are struggling very up funnel as well, including people who are not even thinking about Patreon. Why aren't they thinking about Patreon? And then those that are aware of Patreon but still not starting, why not? Once they start signing up, what are the hurdles that they face? What are the smart things that we can do to help them get started on what is likely to maximize their journey? And then also thinking about holistically, there are creators that are much, much bigger top of market creators that would succeed regardless on any platform, then there's so long mid-market creators, and then those that are aspiring creators and uh, and future kids who are not even thinking about it. But uh, definitely, we want to make it a legitimate long-term career profession that kids can aspire for, just like any other profession. So, so how do you sort of think about that holistically, and then start building solutions that will empower them longer term? So that that's kind of the way I think about sort of long-term growth. So you mentioned some really powerful questions, and you could almost substitute. Patreon in that framework for uh, insert whatever product or service or, or company. So when you're talking about like, why aren't people thinking of 
Patreon, why aren't people thinking of X product or in identifying where people are struggling? Which of those questions do you go with first? Yeah, so the way I would say it is like there's low intent and high intent users on either side for a two-sided marketplace. And you at least start with the high intent side of of this space for any group. Whether it's creators that are high intent, meaning they're really leaning into being a creative person, leaning into Patreon, similarly on the member side, leaning into subscribing to a creator. And then you'll see that even for high intent users, there's always gaps. There's always improvements we can make. But then that that is what I would say is the right starting point. And thereafter, you start go to medium intent, low intent. Uh, certainly at any point, you're maybe focusing on one of these, but you'd still want to ask the question across the board. That's fantastic. Thank you. All right. Uh, Shannon, Atish, are you both ready for some rapid fire questions? Let's, let's do, do it. it. All right, let's do it. So Shannon, what are you reading or listening to right now? Okay, so I am reading this book called The Changing World Order. Um, this is like Ray Dalio's new book. Yeah, it's, it's about kind of like the rise and falls of kind of like various countries. Oh, sounds like an existential crisis in a book. That sounds like a good one, though. That's awesome. Um, Atish, what about you? What are you reading or listening to right now? Uh, I have two kids, one-year-old and four-year-old, so all I read are kids' books. But the ones that my older daughter is really interested in is this book called How Do You Do a, do you do a Didgeridoo, which is a musical instrument, and Lyle, Lyle Crocodile. So those two books I keep reading all the time. (laughs) This is a podcast first. We have never had a children's book recommendation, but I can tell you there are a lot of folks uh, who'd be very interested in that. So thank you. That's great. (laughs) Question number two, uh, what tool or methodology has had a big impact on you? So for me, I think it's been, um, this was something that I picked up from the last company I worked at Instagram. Um, Maybe it's more of like a quote, but just like do the simple thing first speaks to like pragmatism. Um, and I think especially, you know, at uh, a company, a smaller company, it's, yeah, pragmatism is, is really important. I love that. Atish, what about you? Uh, I would say yeah, this is a similar one as well, but also ask the right questions. Asking the questions are almost more important than answering them. Jump to, before jumping to the solutions, ask the questions and think about it from first principles. That's great. And you both have certainly given us some really good questions to start our line of thinking. So thank you both for that. Question number three, what is a trend you're seeing or following that's interesting or hasn't hit the mainstream yet? I don't have a good answer on this one, but I would say one of the trends I am seeing within my uh, friend group is everyone's reading like physical books, you know, as opposed to say eBooks. So I don't know if it's like kind of like my generation or whatnot, but I, I found that kind of interesting. Atish, what about you? Uh, I don't have a good one either on this one, but I think post-pandemic, everybody likes to spend time outdoors, go on hikes and so on, and seeing that more now. So speaking of, I guess, more like in-person or physical things, one question we've been asking, many folks are introducing sort of in-person experiences back into their company, whether that's retreats, temporary things, or, or whatnot. For both of you, what has been one of the best or most meaningful in-person experiences, whether that was with your team or company or or otherwise outside of that? In general, for me, like the hallway conversations are just like really valuable and hard to replicate, you know, when, when we're working remotely. One of the best memories for me was um, we had an offsite in New York. We have a New York office, had an offsite there and just brainstormed around like, hey, rallied and brainstormed the team around what we want to plan for the year to be, right? If we were to look back and say like December. So um, that was really awesome. Yeah, for, for me, so my, my team did an offsite, I think, uh, a couple months back. I think there's nothing that beats a long coffee walk, honestly. So there's a various ways of setting up offsites, but I think just having the long time to think about work, think about fun things as well, and a long coffee walk, I think, beats most other in-person experiences for me. Is it So this solo or, or group walk? With, with the team, I mean, like with the group of people that are discussing anything. Yeah. 
Great. And it sounds like everybody needs to bring their own custom espresso mug. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. That is probably an inside joke that people listening may not have caught because we probably won't include the, the cool espresso mug <laughs> intro at the beginning, but I wanted to give that a shout out. Okay, la- last question for you both, last rapid fire. Is there a quote or mantra that you live by or a quote that really resonates with you right now? Oh, gosh. I mean, I feel like I'm kind of cheating here, but I came across this one the other day. So make everything as simple as possible, but not simpler. So this is, um, I guess, supposedly by Einstein. But I guess I feel like I'm cheating because, you know, we you know, already kind of shared one around simplicity. But I feel like this one does a really good job in just talking about like, hey, there's a point where things just like aren't useful if you kind of like dumb them down like too much. Uh, for me, I think uh, at least the one that's relevant now is when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And honestly, there's no better time than to jump in and take on big challenges uh, than, than it's ever been now. So I think it's a great time to take on big, bold bets. I really appreciate how both of your end quotes in some ways personify some of the characteristics that you both embody, like in different ways. Like Atish, like for you as an espresso fueled, <laughs> considering like the bets and the risks, Shannon, for you, like thinking about like the mobile design and how it enables like creators or members to like accomplish their objective as a fast and in, in engaging way as possible. Like it's really interesting to see how both of those things like really reflect who you both are. So thank you for for sharing those with us. With that, we're we've we've reached the end. John. Thank you for, for taking the time to, to join us as a co-host. Atish, Shannon, thank you both for joining us. We had a blast. It is a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Thanks, Patrick and John. Yeah, thank you. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure that you click subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or follow if you're listening on Spotify. And if you love the show, we also have a ton of other ways to stay involved with the engineering leadership community. To stay up to date and learn more about all of our upcoming events, our peer groups, and other programs that are going on, head to sfelc.com. That's sfelc.com. See you next time on the Engineering Leadership Podcast.